I'm Joe. And I'm Reed. And this is Double Shot, the digital journal of two young professionals navigating growth in work and life. All right, on this episode, we go into a really big picture topic, and it's this idea of what is our purpose in life? What's the impact we want to have? Really, what do you want to get out of life? And and we want to beat up the labels that people place on what that should look like, the pressure that we feel around that being a philanthropic endeavor all the time, always selfless, and what it really means to have a purpose that is authentic to you. So uh, we both go through some externalizing and some thought exploration on that, hopefully where you can do some of the same for yourself. Uh, of course, a little bit of fitness catch up, uh, what's going on in the world, here's some car troubles that are going on in mine, uh, but it's a really exciting episode, excited to share it with you all, so we hope you enjoy. later in the day but my legs were just trash then you definitely should not have done something later in the day so i didn't (laughs) that's good but then as i always do i can keep my eating on track when i work out and i think that has a specific tail and a duration of how long it works right so Mm. if i work out in the morning my eating is probably going to be pretty good during the day when i usually run after work my eating is then okay over the course of the evening just because all those dots kind of connect for me. But since I didn't run or lift or anything after work yesterday, my eating in the evening was absolute garbage. Just like continuous or? Continuous, bingy, ice cream, like the full thing. (laughs) It's hilarious that, you know, there's one thing, um, exercise actually decreases your um, appetite. appetite. Yeah. So like people think like, oh, I worked out, I'll be hungry. It's like, it's not really how it works. No. So it uh, was like, were, did you like were you actually hungry? Uh, to a point, and then once I was like full, I just kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was curious, starving cause... when I left work, and I ate like a four forty-five dinner. Wow, that is early. But then I just like ate from four forty-five to eight to eight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, well, the thing that hit me was like, I wonder if, I wonder if you're a little underfed other times. Yeah, I think the only reason it was all screwy yesterday is because. I'm still adjusting. Like I normally have the same routine with my food day to day. Right. But the days that I work out in the mornings, I have not really adjusted my nutrition over the course of the day after that. Mm. So I like, as is somewhat common sense, I'm starving in the afternoon on the days where I work out in the mornings. Right. Cause you've had a bagel and a latte, yeah. which is like 400 calories. So then when I am trying to do a two a day, cause the whole point of my morning workout days is to do two a days. Right. I'm not fueling enough to do Because the morning workouts workout. are lifts. Uh, well, lift, one's a lift, one one's, day, a, one's, one's a, a run. run, yeah. So I just, I need to fuel more. Like, I need to really be intentional about adjusting my nutrition on the days that I do two a days. Yeah. So that I just am not starving. I have a watch question for you. I just remember because I saw yours. Yeah, hit me. The blue one that I got from you? Yep. I cannot unwind the thing, the the knob to unwind it. To oh, really? It the crown? Yeah. Uh, that one, is that a screw down crown? Mm-hmm. I think I screwed it too tight. Yeah, that, there, it's probably just you muscled it. Uh, did you try using anything? I did not want to grab like pliers or something because I don't want to scratch it. I wouldn't grab pliers, but like it's a small thing. But like yeah. if you can somehow just get some rubber between your fingers and okay. that, like you know, like the old like things you would put on a jar to yeah. unlock, the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort of rubber thing to like get a little better grip. Because yeah, I'm sure you just over tightened it. Yeah, it's like you tighten it until it's done, but you don't need to go further. Well, than and, that. like I think I went like one too far. So uh, now it will not turn left, and so the date's all messed up. The time hasn't been adjusted. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to wear this thing with it like completely inaccurate and just feel like an idiot. Uh-huh. Hey, there are people who 
Like I like actually having a watch to check the time, but yeah. I also love the other sides of it. Yeah. But there are people who it's truly a fashion accessory and like would they have a mechanical watch that they just don't even wind. Like it's dead. And they just wear it purely as an accessory. And like that's fine. I don't have any problem with that, but like for some reason I don't like that. Oh no, I don't either. Yeah. I could never do that. <laughs> I think I've tried once and I like caught myself for thirty minutes later, like, all right, I'm gonna wind this thing up. So there you go. Yeah, just go. try and get some more grip on that thing and then just don't over-torque it the next oh, try, time. I have a, like a, a oven mitt that's all rubber. Yeah. And I'll see if I can use that to try to get... Because it also like kind of hurts, right? Because it's so small that like yeah. trying to dig your finger in there and it's like pushing against it. You're like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. so funny. I tried to wear it yesterday and I couldn't. I was in an all blue, like all blue everything basically. The and I was like, this is perfect. For it. Perfect yeah. day for it. And couldn't put it on. Oh, that's a bummer. It is. Um, all right, Joe. So since we last spoke a week ago, what is new? What's going on in your world? Any interesting developments? N- nothing really. Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing really. Just getting. Uh, I'm very. Ex- I'm very excited that it's spring. Mm-hmm. Just about. I know it's technically still winter, but like we have three weeks ish of like technical winter. February is over, and yeah. this is what matters to me. I hate February. It's the worst. Like February is the worst. Actually, January might be even worse, but the first two months of the year are just like downers. It's dark, it's cold, it rains, it only kind of snows, football ends, mm-hmm. there's like sports run so much of my life, there's not that much um, going on from right like now a, it's that standpoint. Pouring, it's pouring rain outside, but it's snowing like, you know, an hour north of here. And yeah. Like, oh, I know. If we had that. I would be fine with it. Yeah. I hate the rain. So I'm excited that, um, I'm excited that we're in March. That's it. I have nothing else, but it's enough to look forward to. Yeah, okay. What about you? I mean, the only real development in my world is that my car broke. <laughs> yeah, that's a development. Uh, so, you know. Maybe I, that bike you just got will be your new form of transportation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, some context. I, I think we've maybe talked on the show about I don't think we talked like, about this bike exactly. But I'm getting back into multi-sport. Yeah. I used to be a cyclist and got out of it for a while where I spent like six years just solely focused on running. Getting back to it. And one of the reasons what things I'm doing is getting a new bike. So there's the context. But yes, I'm going down to put my deposit down on this bike that is expensive enough where it's painful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the way there, my coil spring in my right rear of my car snaps. And then I bring it in <laughs> for service, and there's an engine problem, as happens. Classic. So it's like I had finally moved past the financial uh, of buying the bike, and then all of a sudden, like, that money again on the car. It's like, come on. We were having this conversation, I think, a little bit earlier, and it's like, it sucks when that happens. But like, I think you've reframed it fairly well. I've, I've repositioned it now, I'd say, officially where I'm separating the two things. Because uh-huh. in my mind, I'm like, well, if I have to spend all this money in the car, I'm not going to buy the bike. But what I expressed to, to Joe off of the show is like, I could have bought the bike and this happened to the car a month later, and I would not have returned the bike. It's like they are separate purchases. Right. I had chosen to make the investment on the bike. And you're not using the same account for each of these. Yeah, it's like I had specifically had a bucket that I was saving for whatever bike, car, cars postponed because I bought the bike, but uh, <laughs> priorities, you know? So yeah, that's the only like, real development is I'm waiting to hear back from the people uh, at my dealership if I can get some warranty coverage for the engine. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. That'd be um, sweet. Probably save you a grand? Two. Two? Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Plus dealer fees and all the trash they throw in there. So that'd be great. Like twenty five hundred bucks less. You should just buy something else car. for twenty five hundred dollars. I mean, honestly, there we go. <laughs> I, I already wiped that money from my mind. No, that would be nice to not have to use that. The funny thing is, I, I talked to you some about like my, you know, I have an emergency fund as yep. is like I would say a general best practice for personal finance, and 
it's like it is money money i do not touch will not touch no matter what unless it's truly an emergency but this is what it's supposed to be for yeah i mean like the the traditional thing is like it's if you lose your job it allows you to maintain your at least minimum lifestyle until yeah. you get a new one but one of the things is like if you're something happens to your roof or your windows or your car so it's like this is what that's actually for yeah this and, is the point and yet i'm refusing to like this no i don't touch that money um that's, i mean it's probably a good practice to be in yeah so i'm not actually using any of that for this i'm just like paying for it because whatever but at least then you know there's no reason to really worry about using that money because you have all your money that is important for if that shit really hit the fan that was i think actually a good realization point for me because i was so worried about what i was having to pay for this yeah it's like but if i'm not at even having to touch my emergency fund like it's obviously fine it's obviously fine but which is like I'm fortunate to be in that position, but I yeah my mindset was all screwy and it was messed with me. So at this point, I'm excited to have a car again at some point in the next week. Yeah, congratulations! <laughs> and I'm excited we'll let you to use bike. so much. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna put John, our, our coworker John, who we've talked about a number of times on the show. Um, I was running with him yesterday morning, and he's like, you know, you're worried about this money you're spending on the bike, and you're gonna put more miles on the bike than you do your car. It's a really good point. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I probably put 40 miles a week maybe on my car. Yeah. You'll I'm do more totally than that on that gonna bike. I'm totally going to put more mileage yeah. on the bike than I do my How car. How much do you think in, like, obviously we live in Indiana where you're not going to bike in probably December through February. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's be real. Within the next 18 months, I'm going to buy a Peloton. You think? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I thought you wanted something else. Um. Well, there's, like, the indoor training setup, but it's, like, four times the money. Oh, dude. And it's it's nice because it connects to Zwift, which is a program I'm I'm a big fan of. All those things, but I was thinking about that too. Like the bike I'm getting is it's more way more money than a Peloton is. So it's like if I'm comfortable with that, why would I not just get a Peloton at some point in the next one to two? What years? if you put your bike on an indoor trainer? People do that all the time. Yes, but good ones of those are still like a grand. Are they really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to then have a standalone Peloton. I think I would enjoy that experience more than like it's actually my bike quite fun. Yeah, it's like really fun, especially if you're somebody like us who doesn't go to a fitness class. And on I've the regular. never found them that I could enjoy, but yeah. I think I might that. It actually is pretty fun. Okay. You, you should. Shit, I'm shitting all over people again. Uh, go try it. You can rent them. You can test them, and you can go to the fashion mall and try it out. And I know probably 20 people who have Pelotons. Right. Like, hop on one and make sure that you don't, like, hate it Yeah. before you buy it. Because this snobby cyclist in me will be like, this isn't real. Like, this seat isn't, like, a road bike seat would be technically too much But it's, like, not supposed cushion. to be, yeah. you know? It's, like, supposed to be fun Yeah. and effective. So I'm running out of space, so there, there's probably a world where, actually, I might wait to buy a Peloton until I have a house. Yeah. Because I need the space. And if I have, like, a road bike and a Peloton in my apartment that already has no room, <laughs> for context, this bike is going to sit in my kitchen. Is that where you're going to put I was wondering where you're going to put it. The only spot is... Uh, far into the kitchen near the wall. I might try and hang it on the wall. I was wall. gonna ask if you could get hooks or something. Yeah, I might very put, New York of you. Yeah, I'm gonna like say screw my security deposit and put some anchors in the wall and hang my bike. Oh, just I think. fill them in later. Uh, yes, we'll see what I can do. Yeah, I mean it's like it's a snobby residence, so I'm expecting them to like want everything to be pristine and whatever. But I don't know. Ours was fairly snobby downtown, and we got our money back. Did we, you put a bunch of anchors? Not. I don't think we put any anchors in. I've put anchors already for like four giant canvases that are probably screwed anyway for that but like that's not gonna be all of your security deposit and i already spent the deposit three years ago so that money's gone to me i don't care if i get it back i would would hang it if i were in your shoes yeah you don't want that on your floor no and it'll look sick it'll look really sick (laughs) it's almost art (laughs) yeah he uh 
I've like had some, of course, as you do, almost. This is not buyer's remorse because I've only put a deposit down. But let's call it buyer's remorse. Yeah. Of like, I have man, credited I really this. Do oh this? man, yeah. yeah. And then um, I'm researching. I'm like, I technically made some of the decision on the bike around pizzazz. Let's say like it's not the best value bike. I could have spent a little less money and had a slightly better uh, some components of the bike. But it's like this nice Italian brand that's reputable. It's beautiful. Whatever. It's beautiful. So I'm coming to terms with that. But like they called me um yesterday to say that the bike was in and then i was like oh man this is actually gonna be really cool that's awesome so, i uh i had a little bit of that we booked a vacation with our a couple of our closest friends for may mm-hmm. we booked it last like october i think or something like that and just put like through costco travel which by the way the best interest the best costco travel is amazing um we actually used it for our honeymoon and it's like you get incredible value you have a bunch of warranty or um, like insurance built into it because it's through Costco. Yeah. And then if you have a Costco car, like a travel, um, uh, the Costco credit card, yep. you have like 5% back on mm. all of your travel, which if you think about what travel costs, pretty that's, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I There's a whole thing we could go into there that's very financy, but I think maybe we talk about it at some point, um, not as like advice giving, but just our own decision making. It's like, so I'm an Amex guy. And yeah. so I will book my stuff through Amex travel because of like the similar types of benefit equivalent from american express yep but that's that's so interesting i mean i didn't even know i know you mentioned to me once before like a year ago but i'd forgotten that costco even had that yeah they have this like really great visa card and they have an awesome travel thing aligned with it but uh but the the, money came the money came so we paid for like i think it was like half of it and then we were like oh yeah just book like pay the next one in march because why not like i might as well just keep that cash and make interest on it and then it hit on the first of this month and it was like Forgot about that. Forgot about that. <laughs> you have to and, pay for these things. And it was sort of like, because I already felt like I had paid for it, mm-hmm. you know? So then it was like a little, like, I wouldn't say like buyer's remorse, but like a little bit of like, mm. vacation's worth it. I don't know. And then it's like, yes, every time I travel, I come back and I'm like, so glad I did that. Yeah. And but, hey, you're going to have that, you know, federal refund coming in here any any day now. So yeah, only, it's not a huge one, but it's, it's I mean, hey, it's a lot better than the last year's where I've had to pay a lot. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's a win. Um, I had a question for you around content. Okay, hit me. A while back, you bought like four or five books. Have I started reading any of them? Have you cracked any of them open? Absolutely not. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I have a six book tall stack on my coffee table right now. Does it stare at you? Uh, it just stares at me. I sit there and like work and it's just looming this mountain that's like taller than I am with <laughs> books. Um, and I will get to it, but I am not pressuring myself yeah. to like force it. I'm just waiting till I come to terms with like I actually want to do this. And I was going to ask if comes. any of them like feel like you want to read them. I think I do eventually. That that's just not a, a thing for me right now. So it's one of those things where like I, the barrier to start is now so much lower because I already own them. That's true. So it's like when the mood strikes. I know I want to sometimes shift some of my evening computer time to reading. Um, so I think I'll just slowly drip that in. But it just the pressure has not hit that much. Yet. Yeah, this yeah. is curious. I'm about to order a new one. New um, book? Yep, a new book. What's that going to be? It's going to be. It's called Nar Country, G N A R Country. Why does that ring a bell? Um, probably because. Well, it's it's fairly. It's actually very new. I don't even know if it's out yet. This might still be pre-release, but the guy who wrote it, his name is Stephen Kotler. Okay, and he has um, he's kind of the current leading researcher on flow. Mm. And so, for a lot of the stuff yeah. that you and I consume, you've likely seen it pop uh-huh. up. 
Um, but I heard him on a podcast this week, and I originally didn't think I was really interested in the book because the premise of the book is like essentially how to age well. Yeah. And like I'm 29. I'd, I'm not really concerned with aging at 29. Let's just call it like you it got is. five to 10 years until you're really that concerned about it. I've got a long time before yeah. I'm really. Con- and plus, like, I do a lot. I have a lot of healthy habits. Like our last conversation we talked about, like I'm pretty dialed in on most things and I enjoy being dialed in on most things. So like I'm not doing a lot of stuff that's going to jack me up. Mm-hmm. But then listening to him talk about the stuff they did, I'm actually just like very interested in the study. Yeah. They're basically like there's something called park skiing or park snowboarding, which is essentially doing tricks on skis and snowboards, okay. like grinding, jumping, flips, like all this stuff. And they basically... The general thought has been that if you can't do that by the time you're about 30 or 35, you're not going to learn it. Mm. They think that, like, they thought that, like, your brain can't catch up. Like an old dog, new trick kind of thing? Yeah, and also how people say, like, oh, if you didn't learn a new language by the time you're whatever, you won't learn any new languages. Mm -hmm. Um, And that idea of, like, your brain being inelastic or non-plastic, neuroplasticity is the idea, has been fairly well, like, beat up. But this was, like, a really cool example of like crushing it into abyss. He taught himself how to park ski at 55. That's what I was hoping you were going to say that uh-huh. the outcome would be is that that's nonsense. Even, supposedly. even cooler, they took a group of, um, you had to be an intermediate level skier or snowboarder. Basically, I don't know exactly how they judge that, but it means that you can like hockey stop apparently. Mm-hmm. So it's like you go down and you can just jump to the side and stop. Yep. Um, so like you spend time on a board. You're not like, I've never been on skis before. But they took these people who had never park skied, but were intermediate level ski and snowboarders. And in four days, taught them all the basic tricks of park skiing, and they could do it. Like, they could jump and grind and, like, do tricks on a mountain. That's in cool. In four days. And all of these people were between 29 and 68. That's Whoa. amazing. Yeah, so I'm just, like, excited to read it. It's actually, he wrote the, a book called The Art of Impossible, which is a very mm-hmm. grandiose title. He's a little grandiose in the way he talks about things, but... He does a nice job as a scientist making things interesting to the general public, I think, which is great. And there's a place for that sort of grandiose thing. Like when you truly need like big picture inspiration to just like remove self-doubt or whatever, like that could be helpful. And that book, Art of Impossible, led me to Dream Fuel. It was sort of like the Mm, starting point of a lot of the mental stuff that I've done over the last couple of years that's been like really impactful for me. Um, I was actually reflecting on some of that last night randomly, and I think the best money I've ever spent in my entire life was the Dream Fuel program. Really? Yeah. I, I texted should, Kevin and told him that, too. I was like, this is the best money I've ever spent. I should do that at some point. It's, it's yeah, I can't say enough. Good. I mean, I said it's the best money I've ever spent, <laughs> and I actually mean it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Really good stuff. Um, yeah, I... I'll be curious to hear if you get anything else valuable from that book. One that other one, than just like fun learning about yeah, yeah yeah. One thing I think was interesting that just came to mind is as we talk about like future things that we aspire to, uh, oftentimes on this show. One thing that would be nice is to just have the resources to be professionally trained on things. Right. That point of like somebody helps you with the thing for four days and you have it right. Like whether that's a driving school or actually doing like working with really a high true level golf trainer tra- golf, golf yeah. classes or um. Like, for me, I would love to hire a tutor to teach me language. Yep. Like, I have, I can do, I can practice Spanish for three days and basically be back to conversational. Mm-hmm. No problem. Because I learned it for so long. It's just like, kind of like riding a bike again. Yeah. Um, But, and I understand, one of the challenges I'm having is that, like, I understand the basic premise of, like, Italian, which I want to learn how to speak because my family is Italian. Mm-hmm. My, my in-laws are, like, 
not like oh we're from italy like they are italian i yeah they speak italian not english <laughs> like mm-hmm. i would like to be able to converse better so i have a lot of motivation to do it but um it's so boring at the beginning because i understand the structure and i can pick up patterns fast enough that like these online programs are so boring that my desire to come back to them is basically zero i don't ever get anything wrong and so the challenge curve is not there there's like nothing to like strive for but I couldn't jump into like an intermediate level and understand anything because I don't need the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And so like paying somebody to teach like, all right, two times a week, we're going to spend two hours together or all right, we're going to do an immersive for a week and you're going to come out of this like ready to go mm-hmm. would be so cool and probably so expensive. Yeah. As <laughs> those things are, I mean, for, like for me, I am getting back into multi-sport. I loathe swimming, but the idea of triathlons is enticing to me. Mm. So I'd like hire a coach, a triathlon specific coach would be something that I would do if I like money, no object kind of scenario. What, um, what about swimming? What do you loathe about it? Everything. <clears throat> There's zero part of the swimming experience that I enjoy. So why are triathlons intriguing to you? Because it's such, it's this feat and I love mm. cycling and I love running. Yeah. Um, like du- the idea du- of completing a 26-mile is- run, a 112-mile bike, and a 5-mile swim? Uh, 2.4, something 2. like 4, that, okay. maybe, yeah, um, um, for full-distance Ironman. Like, the idea of doing that is just, like, a cool accomplishment in your yeah. head. Yeah, and I, I think, as with many things, I mean, I didn't run until seven, like, seven years ago now, and I, before that, for the first 20 years of my life, it's like, I will never run, I hate running, mm. and then I got okay at it, and now I love it, so mm. I think that could also happen with swimming, of actually enjoying it if I got good about it and it'd be excellent cross training and get a little more upper body work for me, which I need and those kinds of things. Um, and there's just more triathlons than there are duathlons. Mm, yeah. And to me, the accomplishment of a triathlon is more intriguing than the accomplishment of a duathlon. Yeah. Like I think that's fair. Run, bike, run. I'm like, there's eh, something whatever. about having to be good in the water. Yeah. That's like, you're capable in mm-hmm. a different way. Like there's a different level of capability there. So even if I just tolerate swimming, I want to be good at it. And yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the, I just never liked it. So I didn't want to do it. And then I started doing it and now I like it thing. We've touched on this like very briefly, but I'm having a somewhat similar experience with running. Mm-hmm. Like I remember very early on, I was just super unathletic as a little kid, um, like really young. And I think I had really good natural hand-eye coordination, but I could not run. I like ran on my heels. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Which is so weird. Most people come out of the like womb knowing how to like, not literally, but like once you get on your feet, you kind of learn like the movement pattern. Yeah. And you pick up the fact that like in order to move forward faster, you should be on the fronts of your feet. Mm-hmm. Fronts of your feet. <laughs> um, I just didn't get that. And I remember like getting made fun of for that rightfully so about how unathletic i looked when i ran yeah and so then i was like i hate running and then i my natural qual like thing i was good at was being like hand-eye coordination sports like i was good at baseball really young i was really good at saving stuff hence goalkeeper all the way through college like it was just natural for me to save stuff shot at me and so i was like well i'll be good at this stuff and i won't be good at that from the time i was like eight i made that choice and then all the way through playing sport like all the way through college, I was just never a good runner. I could be like a decent sprinter. I had a top 1% vertical jump. Like I had athleticism, but I was never a, I never considered myself good at running, quote unquote. And then we went out and did this race and I was like, this is pretty cool. 
like in my head, once I decided I was bad at it, I was like, it's bad at it and I, or I'm bad at it and therefore I don't like it and therefore I don't think it's cool and therefore I'm not interested in it. Mm-hmm. It was like that chain. It didn't start with I actually dislike it. It started with I'm bad at it and yep. I want to go away from the pain of being bad at something and so I'm going to choose to not like it. Mm-hmm. And then as you've like introduced me to the world a little bit more and I've like done a race now and I've started to learn a little bit about the gear and seeing like, the kind of things people can do. Like to me, the idea of running repeat six thirties is incredible. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, that's so amazing. And then you see people run like five minute pace marathon. It's like, yeah. What? Incredible. So like, it's been cool to get exposed to it and start to have this feeling of like respect, like respect the thing, do more of it because you respect it. Probably learn to love it. Like it's mm-hmm. almost for me, at least it's been that sort of progression um, even with CrossFit, when I first saw it, I was like, this is nonsense. So dumb. Why would people do this? Why are they doing it? That's not how you get stronger and fitter and blah, blah, blah. Because I thought I knew. Yeah. And then I got into it. And I was like, this is so great. So it's it's funny. Like You can learn to love a lot of you things. You can learn to love a lot of things. And I'm just curious, like, if you end up, if you decide, like, I'm going to bite the bullet and deal with the fact that I don't, on the surface, like swimming. Mm-hmm. Or I just, I don't like swimming right now. And see if getting enough exposure like creates yeah. an affinity for it to me like triathlon is kind of badass like being good at all three of those endurance activities and just the grind of the volume of those races and events and everything whether it's a sprint an olympic a half or a full whatever it is like all of it it's like so much endurance sport and yeah. so many like different things that you're doing kind of like crossfit like it's yeah. it's the crossfit variety but for endurance all endurance though yeah and it's just it it's like I feel like triathletes are just these badasses, and if you know anything about me, I love the idea of like badass stuff of stuff. like just crushing it and grinding and all yeah. that kind of thing. So it just it really appeals to me. There's you know the thing that appeals to me in that same world is every board sport: mm. surfers, snowboarders, skiers. Not as much skateboarding, but I think it has more to do with like kind of the skate culture than it does like not actually skateboarding. I think all that stuff is so freaking cool. Like if you can surf, I think you're amazing. Yeah. If you're good on a if you're good on a board, or even if you're like into snowboarding or into skiing, I'm like that's so cool, so cool. Like Kyler just went to Breck, right, and he's yeah. like pretty good, and he used to be really really good, and he's good enough that he like knows this board for this thing, and here's how I like, want to ride, and here's why I care about this kind of snow and like all this stuff, kind of like you with with like bi- like biking and running, like mm-hmm. you just know more, and uh, every time I have somebody who I know go out west, I'm like. oh want to become good at that mm-hmm. and then i bump into this book that's about park skiing and it's like i just it's have this just huge really, urge uh-huh. to get good at boarding i said to katie that like in our in our retirement years like whenever that is maybe 50 we should like move out west and just like get really good there on you the go. mountains. i love the mountains so it's like same that's one of the things about indiana that you just can't change mm-hmm. just like you're just not gonna Pop up to the mountains for the weekend. Nope. <laughs> you can go do fake snow at fake snow. whatever places around here. Yeah. Yeah. And Michigan has some spots apparently that are okay, but they're not. Not the same. What mountain ranges in Michigan? Yeah. There isn't one. Mm, no. Answer, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. Okay. So we were just touching on like stuff we found really cool. And you mentioned like, if you know anything about me, you know, that is love like badass stuff is really inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. And so it goes into our main topic today, which is sort of grandiose in nature like what's the impact you want to leave yeah we were talking about grandiose yeah big picture like what you want to get out of life 
Yeah, I actually like reframing it that way. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when we frame it as what impact you want to make, people go, I know, I feel the pressure to do so, straight to like, I want to help people. Yes. As like a de facto response. And then it seems so obvious and so much of what like you quote need to say, end quote, mm-hmm. that being real about what you're trying to do gets really hard. I, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, it'll be funny when I talk about mine because I've spent a lot of time. I know we've spent different amounts of time thinking about like what we want to do with our lives, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting and mine is kind of along those lines. I do agree. I, I think there's something to other people, community having impact that is important. Like I don't necessarily myself believe in having a life that's just full of selfless endeavor. Yeah. Like, there's some that you need to have for yourself and whatever. But if that's like your sole existence, I like, ah, I don't know. Um, but that's just my personal preference. Yeah. So, uh, but I do think that there's often a lot of pressure and people say that they, they say they want to help others because it's what you should. Another should example. We yeah. love that on the show. Uh, but it needs to be authentic to you, which is why it takes a ton of introspection time sitting with yourself thinking about the pain and the trauma that you've gone through and how that has maybe shifted what your perspective is and what you want to get out of life. Like there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. And what does it mean to quote, help people end quote? Yeah. Like, does that mean you're giving lots of money to fund homeless shelters? Does it mean you're working at a soup kitchen? Does it mean you're a good really involved with your church? Does it mean you help all of your friends out with things? Do you yeah. give a certain amount of your income from a like generosity standpoint, like help people is so broad that I don't think it gives you any sort of clarity into decision making or action mm-hmm. or or give you alignment with like your daily life. Yep, where you work, how you spend your time. Um, and so whenever I hear people say like I'm really just here to help people, I'm always like, great, but can you define that a little bit? Because also if you say that and you don't actually put it to action. Well, and I, it's like, I don't think they're lying when they don't put it to action. I don't I think, don't think it's not negative how, intent. I don't think they know yeah. how to make that real mm-hmm. in a way that actually matters. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I like your reframing of like, what are you looking to get out of life? Yeah. So. You y- go first. Me go first. You go first. Uh, I will put it into two different levels of granularity. Um, at a surface level, we talk about impact on the world. That's another thing is the scale that people mm-hmm. feel pressure mm. when they want to achieve things. They feel like it needs to be, quote, changing the world. Yeah. We even have that in our language at element three. But when you actually hear the rest of the nuance to that, it's like your scale of where you can have, have impact can be as small as one individual person and getting their own, encouraging their own growth to like if you have the monetary resources, having a broader like uh, geographical or special impacts. talent like i mean let's just be honest it doesn't seem like steve jobs was that awesome of a dude all the time mm-hmm. but like he did have a an um, invention that, that changed. has changed yeah. the world tenfold and just what they built at apple like it almost has like concentric circles so yeah people think of people like that when they think about changing the world but i think to your point you're affecting the person next to you also matters yeah so at the simplest level for me and let's, it was a great reframing that um, I've been exposed to a number of times recently around uh, the situation of if you won the lottery, what would you do versus if you died tomorrow? But for me, this topic of the impact you want to have in your life, I'd like to frame up of like, if I, for some reason, passed away tomorrow, 
what would I want to have achieved to this point? Because mm. I don't want my the purposes that I feel for my life are not time bound. Like I will have to have achieved some thing in ten years to have fulfilled this purpose. Okay. Uh-huh. So at the core level, I want for anybody that I have had some level of relationship over the course of my life, I want them to be at least better off having had that relationship. I want to have a net positive impact on the people that I have relationships mm-hmm. with. That does not mean that I need to change their lives. But if I worked with somebody for a year and then we both put, you know, part of ways, somebody left the company, I did whatever. Are they at least like better off having had that relationship be a part of their story? Or did they get to enjoy their time better because of things, because that, of things I, that you yeah. affected? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the like big, big picture one. But the more specific one that I feel the most passionately about is over the extended period of time, largely tied to like my things with mental health and changes in fitness and, and all those types of things and how I'm like potentially an Enneagram 2 type of individual. Uh, but I, I, I have found extreme frustration when I find myself setting a ceiling for what I can do. Mm. And so, you know, through people saying like, oh, you should just take a job, get something safe. And I was like, no, I'm going to get the one that I really want. Right. Hey, you're like doing too much running. You should probably taper down. That's not healthy. Watch me kind of thing. Like I refuse to set my own ceiling. And that's the thing that I have to constantly remind myself about because I can slip up on that. But the, in what way? Like you can by setting your own ceiling or doing yeah, too much? like telling myself I can't do oh, a okay. thing, and yeah. then you'd be like, "Screw you!" Yes, you can. How often do you find you actually say you can't versus it's like more sub subconscious than that? It's fear. It's subconscious and it's fear. It's not me literally fear saying of, you can't fear do of a what? thing. I don't know. Okay. The, I think that's a separate conversation that could yeah. take in a lot of nuance. Curious. Um, but what this comes to on a broader purpose is, I want to do that same thing for everybody else. I want to help other people break the own ceilings they've set for themselves. I want to help other people who are telling themselves they can't achieve certain things say, fuck that, yes I can, mm-hmm. and break through their ceilings. So the concise thing is I want to help other people just reach new boundaries. Like also recognize where they're doing it. Yeah. Like I, I think you're somebody who holds a really high standard for yourself and for everybody who's around you. I do hold a very high standard for other people. Yeah, which... Which actually is in line with that as a purpose. Yeah. Because I actually think I hold other people to a very average standard. Mm. <laughs> um, I almost like expect, I expect average mm-hmm. and then get happily surprised by good. Yeah. But then when somebody shows me they're good, I expect good from them forever. Mm-hmm. So I never like, it's very weird. I don't, I don't know how I like would frame this, but you expect really high out of people. Yes. And hold them to that, to that, that output. So the way that this comes to life is if I know somebody who either fitness has not been a priority or they're struggling with it, any way that I can help them realize that they can do more than they think, whether that's somebody who like could never be a runner and through some process of our relationship with that individual, help them realize that they can, they can. Well, you're Uh, doing that with me right now. You're doing it with John. That is me completely fulfilling my purpose in life. And I cannot be happier than the moments where that's happening. Yeah, that's awesome. Or at work where it's like people are struggling. If I can help people realize that they can do more than they thought, yeah, progress more, any, and it doesn't need to be work, it doesn't need to be fitness, anywhere in life, people who have concerns about how much time they're able to dedicate to being with family, if I can like help people realize how you can maybe put that together. And I'm like, I'm not an SME in any of this stuff. I'm just experimenting with them. Mm-hmm. But any situation where I can help people 
who aspire to be better but are selling themselves short be better, mm-hmm. that's all I need out of life. I feel like you tag in very well. Say more. Like, um, okay, I like let's use we'll use fitness because I think it's the easiest one to talk about. Yep. Um, but like with running stuff, for example, you didn't need to run the three mile race for qualifying with me. It wasn't like a necessary part of your day. Mm-hmm. And it's technically like off training plan for you. But you were like, yeah, I'll do it with you. Because you want it, like you'll tag in. And then it's always easier to go with someone. Mm-hmm. Like I was much, I was not excited to do that. Yeah. But I was like, at least Reed will be there. Mm-hmm. So like, even if I have to do this race thing with all these random people that I don't know, at least I have a friend who will be there with me. And like John on Thursday mornings, it's like, there's probably mornings where he's like, I was up late working last night. I've got six freaking kids. Like I need to get to the office early today, but like Reed and I are going to run and I'm not going to let Reed down to run. So I'm going to tag in and go. And like almost, you almost like go first in a way to like mm. make it easier for others to go as well. Um, that is very well articulated. Yeah, yes. It's very, it's, it's a thing I realize in you. Um, even in the way that you have championed, like getting people in front of the camera at work. Like there's people who I think if you deep down, got to the root of what they wanted to, they'd be like very interested in providing perspective on the thing they've dedicated their professional life to up to this point, Mm -hmm. AKA being a thought leader, but they either tell themselves they're not smart enough, like don't have anything to say, or they're not going to be the ones to go get a camera and make it happen. They're not Mm going to prioritize it in their day. So your ability to like pull it out of them, sort of like tell them you're smart enough, do it. You have ideas, talk like, and then enable all of the infrastructure that makes it real is a thing that you're special at. Like even, even at element three for like our work, like you and I, what we do, I always wanted to have a podcast. I think I talked about this really early on um, in, in some channel where it was like, I, when I was in Spain and super lonely podcasts were like a taste of home. I yep. would walk to and from my class, uh, to and from my school and listen to ESPN day before podcast. And it was like comforting. And ever since the time I was like, oh, I love these things. I want to have one someday. And I could not manage the Element 3 podcast and like also do the files and make sure we have everything for Fury Genius and put it out and all this stuff. All the stuff that I hate, like I probably wouldn't do just in order to do the talking and host people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like because you take care of all the stuff that makes it work, mm-hmm. it enables me to do a thing that I wanted to do. So it's like you're like really good at creating infrastructure and opportunity for people and then just like the excuses just go away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing I realize in you. I appreciate that. And that yeah. makes me very happy because that true, like it's as simple as that. Yeah. Do I have other goals in life? Sure. But if I can remind myself that that's what I want to like do Like what you get day, fulfillment from. A-okay. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. So I've spent admittedly a ton of time thinking about this. Um, so that's why I feel like I'm able to come and through and articulate that very quickly. So yeah. that's actually why I want to flip the script to you because you said to me before we were on the show that you're going to need to externalize I, uh, this process. Yeah, so I'm um, getting better at introspection in general, just like quieting down, thinking more, spending more time in, in with my own thoughts. Yep. Um, but this is one that's really hard for me because I have a lot of like, I hate mission statements. Mm-hmm. I've never read a company's mission statement that I'm like, I yep. like that. That jazzes me up. Even ours doesn't jazz me up. So why is that? Why do you think that is? 
I think I'm skeptical of its reality across the board. Okay. Like I, I think what it is is that um, I, I probably at my core believe that businesses exist to create economic output. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I look at mission statements that don't talk about economic output and I'm like, that's not really what you exist to do. <laughs> I think, though, that sometimes you see it as very one or the other, very black and white. No, no, no. I see them as both. Because like, the, they can be true. You can be a business that exists to, cre- to make money and also be very purpose-driven. You can't be a business if you don't make money. Yes. Bingo, number one. So it's probably fair to say that like, I should be seeing them as like, obviously they exist to drive economic impact. And this is also true. But for some reason, just mission statements just sort of feel like, sort of like, I, I, I feel like most of them say the same thing they with different like, words. Around like, we want to do good. Yes. 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 And so I think there's that. But that, flip that to people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But I think what it is, is that because of that, I sort of rebel against the like grandiose, undefined ethereal idea of what i'm here to do mm-hmm. and so because i just naturally sort of like think it's weird i don't spend time thinking about it for myself okay often but i've been trying to unpack this a little bit and um one of the things that one of the things that i really like so okay grew up in grew up in church mm-hmm. and part of christian church is often like you need to tie 10 percent. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes on as we sit here, mm-hmm. I actually much prefer spontaneous generosity to planned generosity. Yep. Because I'd much rather like make my circle like better off. Better off. Well, I think there's a layer of is it like obligatory versus actually authentic. Right. And so one of the things I love to do is um, like use my resources to give people things that they wouldn't do for themselves. Mm, yep. Doesn't have to be monetary. I happen to know somebody through family who has courtside Purdue tickets. Purdue basketball is impossible to get tickets for. Yep. My father-in-law and my brother-in-law are massive, massive Purdue fans. We managed to get them tickets to a game this year in the Big Ten at home at Mackey. And the guy who we knew... I thought he was just going to get them in the stadium. He gave them his courtside seats. Mm-hmm. That's like, yes, I made that happen with my connections. Love that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it could be like, oh, yeah, we have no kids and good jobs, and I want to spoil somebody with money. Yeah. Whether it's a gift, like normally gifting, right, of, mm-hmm. of something around Christmas that's super random. I like that better than I like the idea of every month 10% of my money is going to go to this general fund that is then used to make the world better in some way. Yeah. That you really don't do really have me. that much visibility into. Yeah, and even if I have visibility into it, I'm just like, there's people around me who need it too. Yeah. My brother-in-law's a teacher. His mm-hmm. fiance's a teacher. They're, I think that's a sacrificial position to be in, mm-hmm. and therefore I want to give more to them than I would give to normal people, like normal people being people who are like chose jobs that are more lucrative in nature and can spoil themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's sort of that thing. And it's like, yeah, they're not living in poverty or anything mm-hmm. like it's fine it's a totally great profession but like i want to be able to give them things that i know they can't do for themselves because they are teachers like that's more fun for me than being like let me give to something that goes and builds wells in the third world yeah you know like it's just 
It's but like, again, I got, there's no right or wrong. There's no Some right or wrong. can connect that dot inherently to themselves. Yeah, and like, feel good about it. And feel good about the, yes, distant place that they're not that. And I'm glad to. that some people are, right? That's necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. And I think to your point of like having the ability to expand that bubble, it's like, there's a really good framework I like from um, a guy named Naval Ravikant. I won't go into him in general, but he's, I love the way he thinks about things. And he talks about with my inner circle, I'm a socialist. With my community, I'm a communist. With my um, state, I am a Democrat and a national expansion, I'm more Republican. Mm, and I kind of like that framework. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to like worry about who brought what to the pitch in dinner with my family, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to worry about like stuff with our, like my, my group and who's getting the most out of it. I'm just going to like give. Yeah. But like, as I get farther and farther away from my immediate impact, I get more and more less concerned. Mm-hmm. And so I think the ability to expand that impact is cool, but I want to be connected to it. Yeah. So I think about things like that. Uh huh. And then I was talking to a friend recently. Uh, one of the underlying things that I experience on a daily basis is that something is missing in every aspect of my life. Uh, that there's a lot there. Yeah. So tell me like what, how does that show up for you? Um, a lack of contentment very regularly. Okay. So I think one of the, one of the reasons that um, like the Dream Fuel stuff was so impactful for me is that one of the first things we did was like they teach you gratitude, which is sort of like a skill that I have to learn because I'm almost always nitpicking the thing that's missing. And it's not like a, I can't identify the thing that's missing. It's more of a general feeling that there is a feeling missing, that there is something on the horizon that can't quite get that would make everything better. Everything the way it is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Everything as good as it could be. And I've learned that this is a very four thing. I thought this was normal. I thought everybody experienced this. Enneagram four. Enneagram four. Yeah. Um, which we've been talking. I'm either a three with a very strong four or a four with a very strong three wing. And I, I'm leaning in the four direction. Okay. Um, and this is one of those things that like pushes me into four territory like pretty solidly, I think, is that like I have this feeling... That if I could just do beef, get somewhere else, make something different happen, everything would change. Mm-hmm. But like, I thought this was normal. Apparently, this is not a thing that everybody experiences. <laughs> just a lack of contentment? Just like, I, I'm actually normally quite content, but no, like a, a searching. Like a contentment and searching. And I think that there's like a real healthy side to this in that it makes you constantly aspirational mm-hmm. about like, I sort of see the way the world could be like not the world in general, but your sort of world. my world. I see the way it could be. And it's like, Oh, we should work to get there. Mm-hmm. But, and that's like really healthy, like yep. really positive, And it can be beneficial to people around me. Cause I'm sort of like always pushing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it does lead to there are days where I'm just like, everything's, terrible and must change mm-hmm. which is not super healthy so trying to balance that but i was going through all of these thoughts and i think the the thing that i most want to be and the way i want people to experience me is that i don't align with expectations okay and in doing so show people that you can you can write a story that maybe you're not telling yourself you can write. So one of the things I actually loved about, like we talked about whoop, I think last time we were on the show. Yeah. One of the things I love about whoop is that they say we are here to unlock human potential. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. I think it's beautiful. I'm like, yes, that is awesome. 
that's also what I really love to like explore is like, what's the, how far can you get? Mm -hmm. But I don't at the same time care about being the best in the world at anything. Um, so like, I'm not like, I'm going to drop everything I do and just like go do CrossFit. Yeah. I'm not going to drop everything I do and like only commit to my career. There's sort of this, like, I hate the idea that you can only be like, when people are like, all right, you got to pick three things to be good at. And you can't pick more than that. I hate that idea. It feels like there's a couple things actually in this. Cause there's the idea of, uh, that specific point you literally just touched on of like, don't limit yourself to only being able to be good at a few things. Mm -hmm. But the first thing you said to me is more of a labeling thing of like breaking the label that people put on you. Yeah. And that like somebody might look at you from the outside. Let's say that like they know the kind of things you're roughly interested in, maybe from this podcast, they met you on the sure. street, right? They might see you and be like, this is a 20 something year old, very fit dude. Who's going to be like a broy CrossFit person. Yeah. And deep down is the layers of like very caring family person and loves to cook and is into reading Alcohol, and which all is a these things. Dichotomy like from CrossFit. <laughs> mixology, right? Like is that thing of like, because people are constantly labeling things, you, you hate that mm, and I that think that you might want be to. I think that might be it. There's a, there's a phrase in, that I learned in poli-sci. One of the coolest classes I ever took in school is my last, it was my last class. Last final I walked out of, last everything at NC State poli sci 421 or something like that mm -hmm. european politics and there's a concept in there called stove piping okay i hate stove piping i think stove piping is at the base of all of our problems i genuinely do and add you, a little more context yeah, to it for so us. stove piping is the idea that i can look at you and know one thing about you and then fill in the gaps so the example i'll give is well let's just use the one you just said oh you go to a CrossFit gym. You must be blank, 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 blank. Or, oh, you go to Trader's Point Christian Church. You must be blank, 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 blank. Oh, you drive a truck. You must be blank, 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 blank. Mm -hmm. So most people who see, like, I drive a giant F-150. And when I got that truck, you know what everybody said to me? I never thought you'd be a truck person. What the fuck does it mean to be a truck person? The people who <laughs> know you said that, yeah. yeah. Well, because, here's the thing. So, so I'm not a big truck guy, and I've yeah. I'm, I'm better about this now. I'm less judgmental than I used to be. Uh, hallelujah for everybody in my world. But I feel like frequently people would see you getting out of a Ford F-150 at a CrossFit gym and say, that guy's like all in carnivore diet. Yeah. He probably hunts on the yeah. weekends. He probably says bro all the time. <laughs> and he's probably like, has his group of fraternity brothers from college and all like they make all these assumptions yeah. probably like Bud Light all that kind of shit. Just that, like, like, you, could, you start like to filling in gaps of stories you have no idea about. Uh huh. And none whatsoever. And so like they don't see you drinking chamomile tea in a wingback yeah. chair in your kitchen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's like I like to express nuance. Okay. And one of the big things that I realized in myself you mentioned the judgmental thing. Um, over the last two years, I think my biggest focus on myself is stopping doing it myself. Mm -hmm. Like I will do it. I'll be like, I'm driving. Somebody does something stupid on the road. And then I notice they have like a dent on their car. And I'm like, you see why? Wouldn't it must be a terrible driver. And I'm like, wait a second. I've got a giant dent on my car. What am I saying? Uh huh. And <laughs> like this terrible driver could be like, couldn't afford to repair the car that somebody else crashed into them. And they're on their way to deliver a child at the hospital. Yeah. Like there's so many stories that we don't know the answers to. And so I think like part of what I want to do is express to people that 
Um, you know less than you think. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own stuff going on. And you can be, you don't have to make one choice and let it be the rest of your life. Like you don't have to, it's, it's not super dissimilar from what you were talking about where it's like the ceilings. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I mentioned it on our Element 3 podcast where it's like one of the things that I have had told myself for a long time is like, if you have a kid, you will not be able to be a, an athlete anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. that's nonsense. Not Why would I have that thought? Like, look at everybody who has kids and is athletic. Like that's, it's nonsense. But I think there's like these stories we tell ourselves mm-hmm. about ourselves and about others that are just completely false. And so I like to be really hard to put your finger on. And I think there's also some nuance in this of the time bound nature of labels. So mm. for instance, right now I think a safe label for you is CrossFitter. But do you one of the identities that I own. From like the outside, right? Yeah. And if you ask anybody in this building, is Joe a CrossFitter as a label? And they'd be like, yeah. Yes. Okay. But do you want to be bound to that forever? Or do you want to be able to change? Yeah. Like so, what if tomorrow yeah. you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm done with CrossFit. I'm actually going to be a cyclist and that's my only thing. Yeah. That might actually be a good way to summarize it. Like I, like you said at the beginning, I, I need to like export this. I have not figured out like what is the impact I want to have. I'm, I'm circling around it. Mm-hmm. And maybe part of it is like showing people that you have freedom of choice, mm-hmm. that you can be something different tomorrow. Like if, if I, one of the things I struggled with a really long time is like, I never wanted to live in Indiana. And like, still, if I could snap my fingers and transport element three to any number of different places and bring my family with me and like, I would not live here. Like if we could just be like, all right, snap my fingers to pick up the life we have here and move it to Raleigh. Yeah. Denver. Denver. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. those are probably the two, but like somewhere like that. Yeah, I'd do it for sure. But like that also meant in my head that I could never be in those places. And it's like, well, why? Why couldn't you at 50 be like, I'm moving out to the mountains because I want to? Mm-hmm. Or like, why couldn't, to your point, like before I, before I was going to Austin, I was like, oh, am I going to be a CrossFit athlete still? It's like, you could do that and do the other stuff that you're also interested in. There's no reason that you can't do that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. sort of like the deconstruction of fake identity. Like the identities that we place on ourselves that aren't real. Yep. Like, they're actually roles. They're actually roles. Yeah. It's an IR theory thing. That's it. You're hitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I want to dig into something here with, yeah. you, with you on this. And I, I truly feel in, in the purpose that I feel that that idea of helping other people not set their own ceilings is truly authentic. I don't want it to come across like I'm trying to be uh, self-serving, like, yes, I want to help other people because I'm good. Like, that's not what I want to communicate. I truly feel that that is authentic to me to the point where, like, I have gone through issues where I very much underserve myself to do that for other people okay and i don't want to pose that as good or bad that's just the situation that i've been in yep for you you said when you were first starting at the when we were transitioning into your purpose this idea of not allowing labels to be placed on you but also for others the aspect of that intent in life of not allowing others or not having other people put labels right is that authentic to you of the other people aspect of that? Or is that because you feel obligated on some level in a broader purpose to have it also be centered around others? This actually, the thing that went through my head is that um, the way I experience you is that you are excellent at 
creating infrastructure for other people to rise. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Like, I don't, that's not how, I don't think about how to operationalize it. I don't really think about like, and this is how I'm going to make this all about the team. But I am really willing to do the thing that people are scared of doing. Mm-hmm. And I think like the natural gift that I have is that I do not have a sense of fear for most things. Mm, so we're, all right, we're like almost gonna... exact opposites. So where mine is like the benefit that other people get from me living out my purpose is that I've made the space for them to achieve new things. Yep. Is yours more of a leading by example that you're not going to put the infrastructure necessarily for somebody to like uh, contradict their own labels, but you want to lead by example of somebody who there's so much else to your life than the label that people place on you. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel much more natural to be like doing the thing that people might want to do or might be interested in and like showing it mm-hmm. than I am about helping them discover it and giving them space for it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel less like an enabler and more of a called to go first or interesting. Like, like for example, let's just like make this um, very tactical work wise. Okay. We started building into this like business model, canvas value proposition, training stuff and basically they were like who's got the time and can make this a priority first and i was like i'll do it okay cool go figure out how to do this and probably jack it up three times yep okay cool i'll fail whatever it's like in a weird way i have this like long-term performance anxiety thing Mm -hmm. but in another way i like am so fine with not being good at something originally or like I almost just don't care if I'm good or not at the start. Mm-hmm. That like I'm just willing to like be out there. And most people feel like okay. For example, you you know that like if you need a video, like I will get on the camera and make a video that I have not thought about until thirty seconds beforehand. Yep, and I'll be comfortable. Mm-hmm. That to me seemed really normal for a very long time. And it's like oh, that's actually not. Most people are very uncomfortable just like saying something that might be stupid. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. I'll just be stupid. It's you, fine. You'll lead first. I'll just jump in and be like, oh, that was wrong. Okay, we'll do it again. Well, I think that's a really interesting way to find nuance in in these purposes between us and for other people as they're thinking about what theirs might be, right? Yeah. Because I think on some level, you could distill both of our purposes that we've articulated on this episode as to like helping other people achieve great things. Mm-hmm. But when you mm-hmm. actually dig in how that comes to life, it's very different. So if we go to the strategizer example, yeah. people are going to, in this organization, get trained on this thing to become better at what they do. Yep. Your approach is, I'm going to do this first, and on some level that will show other people, like, you didn't know BMC, strategizer, any of that stuff, and you're going to lead by example and do that, and other people might say, oh, yeah, I want to do that too. Or like, oh, yeah, that, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, versus for me, if I'm put in your same seat and it's like, we need to get people strained on strategizer. I'm going to say, okay, I'm not going to do that, but how can I free up other people's space so they can go in and train on strategizer? You'd be like, all right, how do we like build this into a part of their operational day so that they can go get trained on it? I'm like, I'll just get trained on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'll get there eventually whenever it makes sense, but like, let's make sure the other people can do it. And some of my inherent desire to be really Mm well-rounded, like I want to be able to, I want to both be able to go to a, I think I might have mentioned this on our last show. I want to be able to like go have eight beers with my friends mm-hmm. and be a good athlete, yep. which feel like very opposite ends of the spectrum. And like, I don't want to be so tied to this identity of an athlete that I won't do activities that seem counter to that identity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I have this desire to be like really well-rounded in a lot of like random areas. Mm-hmm. And so when I get the opportunity to expand a skill set, I'm like, yes, let's mm-hmm. do it. And then well, my hope, I think like my subconscious or the thing that becomes other oriented is that it's like, well, somehow he got trained in all this stuff. Like he also has a full-time job and does his stuff. So like I can do it too. It's a little bit of like Tiffany's life of and thing mm-hmm. where like she like adds another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. That's like, I feel a similar sense of like, that's where I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I can like be slightly, I don't know if like prescriptive is the right word, but I, for a long time I fought the, I fought that I felt like I was doing something wrong or I wasn't doing enough for other people because it was like kind of me centered and judgy people would might say that that is it, more it can sound selfish. And like, maybe it is like, maybe that's the selfish bone that I have, but, but it's like a spectrum. But it's like, I think there, then eventually I was like, oh, but this is where I'm most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I thought, again, I kind of like where I said, like the, the, the pursuit of the next thing. I thought everybody lived in that world. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the downside to living in that world is that like, there's almost always a thing where I'm like, I need to go learn more. I need to get better at that. I need to get into that. I need to be great at that. Like, that's a little bit exhausting. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, it allows me to like have new experiences first, which is fun. And it's it has to be authentic mm-hmm. because, like, you could say that the way that you would go about this, some people might say, should be very other people first, but that wouldn't be authentic to you. It would not give you energy. It would be very draining. You have to go try the thing yourself. I have to like do it and then hope other people follow along. It doesn't mean that one is more selfish than the other. It's just that, and it's almost the labeling thing as well, right? Yeah. Of of that aspect of it too. I actually I love your thing around breaking labels because I experienced friction around that too. Mm. Uh, for example, people who meet me today assume like lifelong athlete. Anytime I meet anybody, they're like, so what was it like when you were doing cross country in high school? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you mean when I was 205 pounds playing Call of Duty six hours a day, <laughs> that track in high that school? That track in high school. And people like, they only take their immediate context same with labeling you as all these mm-hmm. things, and then they're surprised that you have all this other nuance and all this other these other aspects of your life. I really love that idea of the pitfalls of labels and encouraging others to see beyond that in the people around them. Rad, cool. I love it. Yeah. Well, maybe that was this a fun is, episode. Yeah, maybe this will help other people that like, come to some purpose for themselves. I don't know, but yeah, um, yeah really good stuff. It actually helped me find mine. So the extra the. Um, idea of this as a digital journal worked for this one. It's great. Exporting to learn. I love it.